everyone. Welcome again to uh, another episode of Morning Rounds. Hi. This may be our last episode. My name is Byron, and I'm joined with... Armando. Dr. Eric. Nige. Emily. And with our powers combined. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I thought you were being serious. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about a very serious topic. We're going to share our experiences with death as uh, sort of junior doctors. So death is obviously a really complicated topic, but I think it would be good just to chat um, from all of our perspectives about what it was like either encountering it for the first time um, and what we maybe took away from it. Because, you know, I think junior doctor life is so fast and so busy that we often see a lot of this type of stuff and then don't really get to process it. So maybe it's just good to take a step back and um, have a wee chat about it. Yeah, so my first experience with death was in medical school. Um, when it, I believe it was the second year, we had a trip to the morgue and it was something that all the medical students went to. And my understanding was that the uni's purpose for doing that was to expose you to death as an educational purpose. But looking back on it, I actually felt it was quite a negative experience for me. Uh, when you go there, you don't really partake in any of the clinical examinations, you just watch um, the people there do what they need to do. And afterwards, the uni was quite good in debriefing with us and talking about all the emotions that you're feeling, which is great. But I walked away from that feeling, uh, it's hard to describe, but I felt really disconnected from the world for about a week or so. It was really hard to kind of be Mm. back to myself. It was hard to kind of communicate with my friends and family. And that's something I'd never experienced before. And I don't know if other people felt that way because it was hard to talk to other people at that time. So even though it was something that's planned and most universities do do it as an educational experience, I actually felt that it was it was, it was a negative experience for me and it wasn't a pleasant first experience with death. And I just wanted to share that to see if anyone else felt quite similar in regards to that experience that they had. I think it's really interesting. We all did the same thing, right? We all did that yeah. more placement. But we all did the anatomy labs as well, right? So we all saw prosected specimens. We'd all, we'd all seen dead people or parts of dead people. And lots of medical schools do dissection as well. So it was kind of like seeing it in a different setting, right? It was the circumstance yeah. more yeah. than anything. I think for me, I, I, don't, I didn't have a, quite the same sort of negative experience that, that you had. I understand why the university probably did it in terms of trying to like get people get students aware of what it's like you know seeing a dead person but for me I think that that was really the only opportunity for us to see that type of medicine Mm. like I think that there there was no other opportunity for us to see forensic pathology or whatever they call it um in any other rotation or anything like that so I mean there must be people out there and there must be people in medical schools who are interested or potentially interested in, in doing that as a career, um, I think it's important to get exposure to as much things as you possibly can. I feel like the, the big thing for me when I went to the morgue, I also found that it was quite traumatic. Um, and I think the main thing is that you were seeing people in their usual clothes in an yeah, out-of-hospital yeah, environment. True. Whereas when you see someone who's sick in hospital, they're wearing a patient gown, they're in a patient bay, you almost imagine that they're going to be sick and there's always the real possibility that they could pass away. So I think seeing people in much more of a personalised way was much more difficult. And obviously the the gore of just having them being dissected in front of you in addition to that was a lot. I think seeing like um, motorcyclists 
just turned me off from ever buying a motorcycle. Just like, yep. yeah. it just makes you sure. see how quickly your life can end, like in an instant. Um, so yeah, just seeing everyone in the street. It doesn't even pretty... need to be your actions as well. Someone yeah. else's actions yeah. and bang, you're gone. Sydney roads, man. Yeah. Crazy. Um, I mean, this is just from my own personal perspective because I, I, I grew up overseas uh, in, in Indonesia in a culture where actually, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of relatives and friends, dead bodies, you know, um, mm. through ceremonies. And, you know, I was okay with it. But when I, when I went to the morgue um, at uni, I was pretty traumatized. I mean, seeing the accidents and I remembered nearly fainting and that was new. It was a different, completely different perspective. And yeah, yeah it was pretty tough. I agree. But also what Nigel said, uh, I do understand uh, why we went there. And I think it was definitely a good learning point. Yeah, I think in respect, it was really good because it, I mean, we, I mean, just listening to each of you guys talk, we all took something away from it and it challenged our, all of our thinking in, in some way. I can still remember the one i guess body that i saw there that really stuck with me was a lady in her i think 30s who had suicided and as they were dissecting her and taking her brain out they put the brain in a ball as i was reading her suicide note and it was just this weird disorienting moment where i was like this sort of physical thing next to me had produced this and had gone through so much emotional trauma and had written such a painful letter you know uh, it was just a really that that also stuck with me too so it was a pretty powerful day I think I think what was also kind of eye-opening is that the people who were doing the dissections were very desensitized to the process and so you know their reactions were were not really anything because they were doing it day in and day out so I suppose it's kind of eye-opening to think about how you're seeing you're going to be seeing people who are really unwell in hospital and how you have the possibility of being desensitized as well to death and negative things and also i mean i feel like you should try to keep perspective and not become too desensitized is a thing did that morgue day consciously impact any of you guys's day-to-day work in hospital or your experiences with death or do you remember referencing back to that at any point or was death in hospital a different experience for you guys altogether yeah i think death in hospital is a completely different um experience similar to what Emily mentioned, these are patients in robes rather than um, normal street clothes. They're not being dissected in, in front of you. But in hospital, uh, I found that it's a different environment because the family's nearby. I think there's a different dynamic there, yeah. especially when you've been treating a patient for a long time and you almost form a little bit of a relationship with the family who are there every day, especially in the patient's final days. I remember the first time that I had to uh, certify a death and the family was in the room and obviously they were all crying I I was on the verge of tears doing the examination. Mm. I had to really hold it in. And it was only when I left outside, I had to find some quiet space. I, essentially, I went to the toilet to just cry for a little bit. And I normally just don't cry anymore. Like, that's just not me. But that was the first time where it was just, it overwhelmed me. And that aspect was very different because there were other people involved that were obviously sharing the loss. So that's that was my first death experience in hospitals. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I think when I was on relief, I had to certify quite a number of deaths, but it was quite a different experience, I think, because I didn't really know any of these patients. I didn't know their background. The first time I'd met them would would have been the time that I certified their death. So I kind of, it felt quite impersonal. And so weirdly, even though I acknowledged that they passed away and they had their family and all these other things that were happening, I don't think I was able to connect as much emotionally, which I guess in some way was a protective mechanism that Mm. you could adapt to. But um, certainly later on when I when I was on a medical term or a surgical term and that happened, it was much more difficult because you knew more about the patient, you'd form a relationship and then they'd pass away. So that was that was harder. 
sudden relief I didn't really feel like that. Um, obviously there were some traumatic deaths like when there were arrest calls and you were actively resuscitating someone and then they passed away and that was quite traumatic because they'd been having you know interventions being done to them which would look quite invasive. Um, you you know after all these efforts nothing really worked and then you'd have to sort of accept that they were they had passed away so that was more difficult but it was it was a bit different on relief I think yeah. Yeah, my first um, rotation as an intern was a uh, um, surgery, uh, and I guess there was a few deaths there, um, and again, family members involved, and the senior doctors weren't really present uh, to speak to the family, although they did uh, for for a short while. It was, so it was sort of up to us juniors to speak to the family and you know explain the, the situation. So I found that quite challenging. Uh, because again, I didn't really know much of the surgical issues, you know, all that medicine, because I was still learning. But I wasn't terribly traumatized. I felt quite privileged to be able to do that, uh, to play that role as a doctor, and also, you know, certify the death. So it was very reward. That was a very rewarding experience. And some of these patients, you know, they were already sort of die in a dying process, and so the palliative care teams were involved. And it was beautiful to see in a way, like how we all worked as a team to help someone, you know, leave this world comfortably. Yeah, I think for me, I was really fortunate because I did a palliative care term as a medical student. And I, I'm not sure if that maybe changed the way that I felt about dealing with death in the hospital once I was an intern and a resident. I think, you know, doing that term, I was with a really supportive team. It was a really, it was a happy environment. You know, everyone was, you feel like you're really making a difference. Everyone was on board and, you know, you'd see the patients during the day and, the, you know, you're, it was in hospice. So uh, like sort of a small hospital situation where people would go for end of life care, essentially. You'd see them deteriorate over time and then you would certify the death there as well. So I kind of, my, my exposure to, to death in that sense was a little bit different. However, when it's in a different situation in a different environment if you're on a, a like a acute care team or you know, a surgical team or a medical team where you've actively been trying to make someone better and things turn quickly i think it's a lot more traumatic and sort of a different kettle of fish really um yeah yeah i think um so my my first experience of death in hospital was sort of like emily was after hours and i remember that I don't think the family was there for this lady. I think it was maybe an expected death, but I remember just going in there to certify. And I remember someone in medical school telling me to talk to the person as if they were still alive anyway. And I think thinking back on it now, I think it probably was as a defense mechanism possibly to just make you not feel as scared to do it, but also as a means of respect and acknowledging the person as a person who had just passed away. And I still remember being totally freaked out doing it and I was probably shaking as I talked to this person that had you know just passed away um, but I remember being amazed at just the physicality of a dead person in front of me and how they weren't moving they were just looking off in, as if into space and that there was just nothing there and it was pretty you know you put the stethoscope on their chest and you hear what you'd expect to hear which is nothing and just being amazed at that and that stuck with me for a while and then the next sort of moment I mean you get used to that after a while like uh, Nigel, I then did a palliative care term in residency and I loved it. I thought it was sort of life-changing in a way. You get to know everyone who's nearing death's door 
And so most of them are dealing with a lot of very serious sort of spiritual and, and philosophical things, and not everyone is religious or has an answer of what's going to happen next. So you're often seeing people dealing with that, and that is incredibly anxiety-provoking for most people. And just seeing the service that a palliative care team can bring is is incredible. Um, and certainly you meet a lot of people and you hear a lot of stories along the way that will just stick with you after that. Like I remember midway through the term, a pretty young guy who's in his 40s, he had some sort of metastatic squamous cell carcinoma, I think it was of the throat, and he ended up getting married to his wife on the ward um, just a week before he passed away, and he gave the most incredible speech about where he thought his spirit was going to go in the afterlife. So that was pretty sort of powerful for me as well. Um, yeah, I, I think we all bring to death our own life experiences as interns and whatever, and we bring, like Armando, your own cultural context about what death is and what it means to you. But then when you get enculturated to the hospital life, it's a new layer of what death actually means. And you realize that you're dealing with people's lives that aren't close to you. But you oftentimes, just by the nature of the job, you get close to them too. So, yeah. Do you guys have any advice for newly minted doctors who are handling death right now or who might experience it in the future? I mean, I have another story uh, in terms of um, my first death as a, I guess, emergency on the wards. That was my second rotation, which is, I think, quite traumatic for me. Mm. Um, and you know, I was, as mentioned, I was, I was, I was okay, um, sort of uh, dealing with patients dying on the wards and certifying them and everything. But this particular one was. I mean, it was in the context of an emergency. I remembered it was night, so I was doing relief term. I was doing night shift. There was a PACE tier one, which is sort of just an emergency sort of call. So I, I rocked up and there was the nursing staff there. It was in a cardiac ward. There was a it was an elderly gentleman whose, whose oxygen levels was dropping and he was on essentially this uh, mask. And I remembered thinking, you know, I can deal with this. I can help him. And I was trying to was trying to be systematic, but I was also at the same time frozen, and I didn't, I, I wasn't sure what to do. I remembered looking at the resuscitation plan, which I think is another topic to talk about. And he was not for any crazy intervention, CPR, and all of that. Mm. But I remembered, you know, just trying to get him to put the mask on because he was he was trying to take it off as well. And I was trying to, you know, I was trying to get the cannula in to take blood. I was trying to do everything myself. Mm. And it came to the point where you know he got he became more blue and more blue and more blue and and finally like, finally my sort of senior doctor rocked up but but by that stage you know he 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 essentially his heart rate dropped and he literally just died in front of my eyes mm. and and he was not for any crazy interventions or anything like that but it was quite a shock it was actually a very big shock to me I. I, I sort of blamed myself. I told myself I should have called for help earlier. Maybe there was something I could have done. I didn't know, you know, I should, I should have done other stuff. And yeah, so, I mean, that was a very different experience of death. And I think what I took from that now, look, looking back at it, is that as a, you know, as a suggestion to junior doctors out there is that you just always ask for, always ask for help early, even if it doesn't look as bad, it can potentially turn out bad. Did you um, debrief with your senior after that? Yeah, that's actually a good question, Emily. So I did. Uh, my senior reg was actually very, very uh, kind and sort of spoke to me and 
reassured me everything was okay, which was really nice. Uh, and I did check up on what happened uh, the following day, the team and what they said. So, you know, it, it, everyone was really nice. Um, but I think, you know, I, I just didn't realize, I just, it sort of clicked at the time that, you know, oh, you know, since then, whenever I went to an emergency call, I would always just ask for help straight away, even if I had that, you know, even just an inkling, you know, you know, uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. I had a similar, I think we've all probably got one of these stories, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. I had a similar event that happened when I was an intern where we were managing uh, an asthmatic patient who had been admitted a few days earlier and had been improving. We'd seen the patient on the rounds. They looked better, like continuing to improve. They were in high dependency. Um, and then maybe a couple of hours after the rounds, there was a clinical review called, I can't remember what, what, which, you know, what level it was, but they were deteriorating in some way. And I just remember getting there. My registrar at the time was at another clinical review. So we had to sort of split up. I remember getting there and looking at the patient and then listening to the chest. And I was like, the breath sounds are just too quiet, not comfortable. I called the reg and I said, hey, you need to come and see this patient right away. Like, breath sounds are quiet. I'm really concerned. She came like, you know, 30 seconds or less, got there, saw the patient, pressed the button, bang. Like, it was all hands on deck, ICU everything and uh the patient continued to deteriorate they couldn't you know they tried to intubate the patient they couldn't get a line in you know there was uh ecmo was tried and it was just like it was just all downhill it just didn't nothing worked and i think like it was weird because for me i felt like i had already done my job you know i got there i identified that the patient was unwell deteriorating and it was beyond what i was capable of managing and i escalated and then my reg got there and then, you know, ICU and anesthetics got there and everyone was there and all of a sudden there was 30 people in the room or something. And, uh, and it, it, for me, the hard part was then that I was charged with wrangling the, the partner who, you know, the, the ward clerk had called, you know, the ward clerk was in distress as well, called the partner, told them to come in, you know, don't race in because, you know, we don't need another patient in the hospital if you have a car accident. But then, uh, that's definitely something I, I wasn't taught how to do in med school was how do you like sit with someone while their loved one is in the other room dying, you know, doing everything you can to try and stop that from being the case. But I think that the default position is to tell someone that everything is going to be okay. But I just didn't feel like that was the right thing to say. Um, I can't remember what I said at the time, but I just remember this person running in and trying to run in and see the partner. And I, and I was like, oh, look, it's, you know, you can't go in there now. There's too many people, you know, we're doing everything we can and, and sitting down with this person. And I was just like, I had to sit there with this person and I just didn't know what to do for like the rest of the, the event for like, I don't know, it, it felt like ages. It was probably only five or 10 minutes, but that was the hard part for me. It was that, you know, like in, this person was going to be left behind after their loved one had died. And for some reason, I had to know how to explain to them what was going on. So, yeah. But I, I, I mean, there was a big debrief afterwards, you know, like because lots of people were involved. There was some really senior ICU staff involved. And, you know, it was all, it was all fine. I didn't, for me, I was kind of like the whole episode was, was massive and it was really traumatic. But I had, like, I felt like I, I had done my job and I identified things at the right time. Yeah. And I guess I took that away knowing that like, you know, 
I did what I could. It's just I got stuck in a situation that I just didn't know how to deal with the other side of it, I suppose. But they're not, I mean, I, I, the death experiences are not all traumatic. And doing power care terms, 100% do recommend because they're so good. Um, the teams are always so good and the, the work is so rewarding. And, yeah, you know, for every one traumatic death experience that I've had, which is not many, I've got dozens of positive ones. So, yeah. You know, after a period of time, we see so much death on the wards. Do you guys feel as though you've become a bit disillusioned with it all? Do you feel, you know, anything like that or not? I think that over time I probably learned to take things less personally and sort of just start to grasp that some people are, you know, set up in a way where they've got all these diseases and they're so unwell that it was almost inevitable and we, we try to prevent things as long as we could, but there's only so much you can do to a point. Um, I also did a palliative care term just recently, which I think helped to sort of put things into perspective. Mm. And I think it's just a really, it's a really big um, frame shift that happens when you decide that you've done what you can for someone. Yeah. And I think in some uh, certain specialties, making that sort of shift doesn't necessarily happen when it should. And so things become more unexpected when they should be more expected. Mm. So I think, yeah, that's probably the main thing I've learned over time. And that's probably helped me cope a lot more. Yeah. I think there's a big, like, you can have a big philosophical discussion about, like, how to frame the dying process and death in your mind. But I don't think that really helps anyone in practicality, like stepping into the role of an internal resident. What I would say for me is I think working, like straddling that line between, you know, they talk about having a switch, you know, turn, like flicking the switch off and disconnecting and flicking it on. But I think it should be like a slider or like yeah. a, you know, like a knob that turns. And I think knowing where to land that slider, you know, like you should en enable yourself to, to be human and to have feelings and to get to know people and be invested in their, you know, well-being and their health. But also, you know, recognizing that death is a part of life and we see people who are unwell and that, you know, it's an inevitability in, in the work that we do and trying to not let that overburden you. You know, you're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be sad that someone's gone, but, you know, trying to not let it affect you outside of your work and, and to, you know, affect your work as well. I think is, is an important skill to, to develop and it, and it takes time, I expect. Yeah, and that it doesn't equate to failure as well. No, of course not. Um, I mean, I still have uh, difficulties with death, especially if it's, um, you know, I guess a young person because uh, I sometimes imagine myself in their position or someone with similar background to me. It's quite difficult to dis disassociate myself from that. But I think I have come to sort of, you know, learn, I guess, the process, to, you know, how to show empathy, talk to the family and also talk to the dying patient uh, and show some emotions. So, and I think that's very important, but also being able to balance that. So I, another thing that I learned on my pal care term is that sometimes what is generally considered to be the, uh, the best and least traumatic approach for a patient is not uh, doesn't align with what the family wants. Um, and I can think of a couple of times where it, it took a lot of negotiating with the family to try and get them on board with a, a non-traumatic, respectful dying process. And to me, this highlighted the importance of expressing to your loved ones what you want 
in terms of how, like you know what you want in, in a situation where you're critically unwell and what you want dying to look like and, and mm. what extent of things you know interventions you want and you know in the places I've worked advanced care planning has been utilized to varying degrees I was wondering you know what sort of experiences you guys have had with advanced care planning or NFRs not for resus or anything like that yeah I'm like, I think it's relevant in every specialty, just about every specialty. I'm doing general practice now. I still discuss advanced care planning with, say, home visit patients who perhaps are approaching palliative care. But in hospital as well, I think, and obviously in emergency, when someone comes through the door and they're quite unwell, we're taught to, to ask about these things because it is really important knowing what the patient wants to happen and what they expect to happen as well as the family. So... Those are really difficult and sometimes really nuanced conversations that, that have to be had. So mm. I think getting really familiar with that whole process, asking how your senior registrars do it, I think is will set you far ahead from a lot of people as well. Yeah, I think it's hard because it's a taboo thing. Like death is a taboo yeah. thing. Mm. And a lot of people, they come into the emergency department and they think that they're going there to get better and that's not always what's going to happen. Mm. Um, and, and that's not communicated to them exactly. very well a lot of the time. Yeah, mm. I think that a good thing to... Uh, for me anyway, was talking about the dying process and advanced care planning with my family. Because I think that these discussions, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a long way down the road. A lot of things are going to have to change for this to be the case. But these discussions have to happen between family members before someone gets unwell and, and you know, walks through the door. Yeah. Um, that will make everyone's life a whole lot easier. But yeah, I, I mean, I remember speaking to my, my parents about it and my wife about, you know, the situations in which I would would or would not want to be, you know, have interventions and, and what, what they wanted as well. And I think that that's allowed me to frame those discussions more appropriately. Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, it's it's sort of living what you're preaching. Um, I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, especially imagine if you've got multiple siblings and like one of your parents like get really sick and you have opposing sort of ideas on like what, what they want. Um, so that's also really important just that everyone's on the same page um, one of the best things I learned from my registrar is when you admit a patient in the ED when the family is obviously there waiting for them to be taken up to the wards have that conversation and make sure that the form like practically the, the form should be filled up before they go upstairs mm. because I have been in recess where we started doing the recess we looked at the front of the folder and it was not filled out which yeah. made it very difficult oh, so yeah. doing it very early before they head up yeah. to the wards is a really important thing yeah. to do mm. alright guys well that's it for today's episode. I think maybe we'll probably touch on death again in future episodes. It's such a big topic and I think there's so much to learn and, and take away from it all. But that's it for now. So thanks again for listening to Morning Rounds and we'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Namaste.